Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Uh, we'll be in the book of uh, in the book of John. So Matthew, if you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the next one, John. And while you're turning there, um, I just kind of want to ask a question <clears throat> and kind of get us thinking about something. Um, let me just—I'm just curious. How many of you? Uh, how many of you in this room? And be honest. And this is men and women. How many of you honestly consider yourself to be an outdoorsman or outdoors woman? You consider yourself to be an outdoorsman or an outdoors woman? Oh, come on, there's more than that. Sure, okay. All right, very good. All right, anybody over here? Can we get some hands over here? Yeah, okay, right. Okay, very good. All right, so excellent. So um, someone that spends just a lot of time outdoors. Uh, I like the outdoors. Uh, I, I kind of consider myself somewhat of an outdoorsman. We like to hike, we like to backpack, we like to camp. Um, I like to go boating, I like to go fishing, I like to hunt. I'm, I'm not good at any of those things, but I like to do those things. But, um, you know, it's interesting, when, when Jesus chose his disciples, as we're going to kind of start to look at a little bit of the story today, um, he chose outdoorsmen. Do you ever think about that? He, he didn't choose the intellects from the area. He chose fishermen. These, were, these would kind of be, um, I don't know, I mean, think about Peter. I mean, he's a fisherman. Um, it's kind of the, a little bit of the bottom of the barrel. I mean, it wasn't like... I mean, they're from Galilee. This is like the redneck area of Israel. You know, they, they, he chose his disciples from. And, and we think about Peter. I mean, we don't think about someone who's, you know, super educated or anything like that. What do we think about when we think about Peter? Well, I think about someone who can't stop talking, um, someone who uh, hasn't learned how to control his mouth yet. <laughs> the strongest re- rebuke that Jesus ever gave to one of his disciples was to who? It's to Peter. I mean, Peter really got it a few times, and, and, and Jesus really had to put him in his place. But um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But if you got your Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 1. Um, John chapter 1 is really, is really cool because it starts off with um, us being introduced to a guy named John the Baptist, okay? And, and we see here at the very beginning uh, the story of John the Baptist. And really, the, the beginning here, John chapter 1, it's really kind of the first really the first three or four days of John the Baptist like in his ministry here. And, it, it, and John the Baptist, his job was just to point the people um, to Jesus. So John the Baptist, his job was to say, hey, listen, the kingdom uh, of heaven, you know, the, the Messiah is coming and he's here. All right, so he was kind of like the guy that kind of, you know, he was like the social media post. <laughs> you know, he was, the, he was the text or the email. Hey, listen, I'm not kidding. You know, uh, the Messiah is here. He's going to be here. This is a great thing. Get ready. Prepare yourself. And, and, and John the Baptist's whole job was to point people to Jesus, okay? And, and, that's, and that's our same job today. We don't point people to a staff member. We don't point people to a church we point people to Jesus Christ. And so, so we're introduced to John the Baptist is in the beginning of John chapter 1. You could, read, you could read that at home today. But I tell you what, let's just start at verse 35 today, okay? And so we kind of we know there's this guy named John the Baptist. And pick up at verse 35. Uh, again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples. So who's, 
who's on the scene right now? Well, there's, there's John the Baptist and there's two disciples, okay? Verse 36, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus, verse 38. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto him, what seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou or, or where are you staying tonight? Where, where are you at? Verse 39. Then said, in, I'm sorry, verse 39. He said unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. So this is kind of interesting. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon, which means it was probably around two hours prior to sunset. Um, remember, they, they, they didn't have streetlights. Uh, they didn't have flashlights. Uh, they didn't have an iPhone, you know, with a light on it. They didn't have headlights in the cars or anything like that. Um, and so when it got dark, it was pretty much the day was over and you were inside because there was, there was dark. I mean, what you had was a candle. How many of you, when you were growing up, uh, your parents said, uh, you can go outside and play, but you have to be home before the streetlights come on? Did anyone have that rule? Okay, all of us like kind of city people. The people out in the country are going, the streetlights? <laughs> what streetlights? There's no streetlights on our farm. But yeah, we had that. And I remember we used to ride bikes a lot as a kid. And we would just be all over town riding bikes. And it'd be like we'd be looking like they're coming on pretty soon. you know. And we'd be like just racing. And I just remember in my mind like you know, riding my, my, my Schwinn Varsity 10-speed you know, and just racing home and looking at the streetlights. It's like, please, Lord, please don't let them turn on. Please, just, I need five more minutes. You know? And you'd get home. But, but your mom would be like, hey, the streetlights are on. But, but in this time, um, when it got dark, it got dark and, and you were probably in for the night for the most part. So I think it's interesting that Jesus says to him, what? He says, well, come and see, come, come here and stay with me. Isn't it interesting to just think for a moment? Here's what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, <clears throat> I'm real busy. Um, how about if we catch up tomorrow? I'll, I'll, check, I'll catch up with you guys tomorrow at the same place. He doesn't say that. There's an urgency, there's an interest with Jesus, with, with these people, that, that an intensity that here are two of John the Baptist's disciples, and they're, they're wanting to follow me, they're wanting to ask about me, they're wanting to learn about me. You know what? There's no better time than the present. We're doing it right now. Come on over to my house, and, and we're going to talk about this. So, so basically, we take from the text that pretty much they hung out with Jesus all night. Wherever he was staying, they, they stayed there with him. Um, and obviously, throughout the night, because we're going to see it in the next verse, he obviously uh, convinces them who he is, and, and there's no cu- confusion. There's no, uh, there's no misunderstanding about who Jesus was. They spent the evening together, and Jesus obviously convinced them and taught them. Because look at the next day. Look at verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first finds his own brother, Simon. So this is the next day. And they don't wake up and and it's not recorded well. They left Jesus because they figured, nah, this isn't true. They know who Jesus is. They believe who Jesus is. They understand who Jesus is. Jesus, you know, thoroughly convinces them. And, they, and obviously, they probably spent most of the night talking, we can assume in that. But, but look at verse 41. He first finds his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. So, so who's Simon? Simon is the guy that we later know as who? Peter. Okay, so this was his name before uh, it was changed to Peter. So, so uh, this guy, the, the first guy, his name is Andrew. 
and he is Peter's brother. All right, so Andrew's with Jesus, and, and he goes the next day, and he looks for his brother Peter, and he says this to Peter. I think it's interesting, though, if, if we look at Peter, this is kind of the beginning of really what we know about Peter. Do you ever think about that? The Bible doesn't tell us much about Peter. What do we know about Peter? Well, we know he's a fisherman. Um, well, we know he was married. How do we know he was married? <laughs> he had a mother-in-law. Now, wouldn't that be a rip-off to get a mother-in-law without a wife? I just think that, would, that wouldn't make any sense. It's like, I have the mother-in-law, but I don't have the wife. So who would do that? So we know he had a mother-in-law. We know they're from later on in the story. But there's really nothing else said about him. There's really nothing else, you know, that, that's really uh, talked about with what he was or what he did. We knew he lived in Galilee. We knew that's very much a redneck area. And, 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 but I, I tell you what we do know. We do know this about Peter. We can start to put some pieces together. We do know uh, some of the spiritual um, heritage of Peter. And say, well, what do you mean the spiritual heritage? Well, 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 how he found out about Jesus. We're talking about it right now. Well, what do we know so far? Well, look at the story again and just kind of get it. There's John the Baptist. John the Baptist talks to Andrew. Andrew is his disciple. He introduces them to Jesus. Andrew then goes to Peter. All right, so, so what's the spiritual heritage there? What's the links in the chain? Well, it's John the Baptist to Andrew, Andrew to Peter. And, and he's very attracted to what, you know, John the Baptist had to say because the whole people were under such persecution and, and they were expecting a Messiah. But the bottom line is, it, is this, is, is, is John the Baptist introduces Andrew to Jesus and then Andrew straightway, right away, uh, goes uh, to Peter and says, guess what? We found the guy. We, we found who we've been looking for. I found the Messiah. I found the Christ. And, 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 and the first person Andrew goes to, is to a family member and says, listen, we found him. So, I, I don't know. I, to me, this is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, think about that. Now, think about this. 2,000 years ago, now, now get the story. John the Baptist talks to Andrew, right? Andrew goes to Peter. Now, think. Think of how many links in the chain for the last 2,000 years all the way to you. Somehow, some way, we won't know how until we get to heaven, the fact that you heard about Jesus, you heard about the Messiah, literally is linked all the way back to this story. I mean, this is the beginning of the whole thing. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, and it's all traced back to Andrew telling his brother Peter. And, and the whole thing spreads from there. But, but I think if you kind of think about that, you're kind of like, wow, there's, there's probably millions of link in the chain that connects me to Andrew telling his brother about who the Messiah was. But someone told someone who told someone who told someone who finally told me. Can you think for a moment about who told you about the Messiah? I mean, can you honestly step back and think about who told you about Jesus? I remember, uh, and you heard me say this story before, uh, I was in second grade, and I was in a Sunday school class, and the name of the church was Palatine Bible Church. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was an old church, and there was a basement the basement smelt like mold and mildew. Let me just ask a question. How many of you grew up in a church that had a basement that smelt like mold and mildew? Yeah, and you just kind of thought, that's what church smells like. You're like, you want to go to church? Sure. 
It just smells. It's just, it just, I don't know why, it just smells. It doesn't matter how many deodorizers they put, it just smells like mold and mildew. And, and we were in that second grade classroom in the basement of that church, a little tiny classroom, and, and Bill Sipri, that was the name of the guy, the Sunday school teacher, and me and my friend Gary were sitting there. And, and I just remember him going over the gospel, and he had a word of prayer. There was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 of us sitting at the table. And, and me and Gary both raised our hands and said we wanted to know more about who Jesus was. And so he led us to Christ uh, at that time. And I just, I, I don't remember any other Sunday school class that Bill Sipri taught. Um, uh, all I know really about him is that about, uh, I don't know, maybe six months, maybe a year later, he died from cancer. I mean, I remember going to his funeral but, you know, at the time, that really didn't make a whole lot of sense to you as, as a kid. But, but there, was, there was a spiritual heritage there. Someone uh, led Bill Sipri to Christ. Someone brought him to a church. Uh, you know, God worked in his heart somehow, and he, he taught a Sunday school class. And he, I don't know what got into him, but somehow he wanted to teach a, a second-grade boys Sunday school class. And God bless him. There's a special place for second-grade boys Sunday school teachers and junior high boys Sunday school teachers in heaven, I'm sure. But... Um, but every one of us that, that's a Christian, there's a link in the chain. There's a vital link. And, and maybe you don't think it's really a big deal, um, but, but someone gave you a track, right? Uh, someone invited you out to church. Someone shared with you the gospel. And, and you're part of a link in someone else's chain too. You've given a track to someone. You've been part of one of our many outreach programs. Um, you put a dollar in the offering plate, and that dollar bought a gospel track or that dollar paid for an event that we did or paid for some advertising to get someone else out here. Uh, and, and you're part of a link. You may not realize it, but everything you do, every action you take, every, 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 everything you post on Facebook, whatever, is part of a link in a chain of someone learning about Jesus. Um, I was in India, as you know, uh, two weeks ago. We got, we got back last Friday, so a little over a week ago. <clears throat> when I was in India, I met in person, uh, a man by the name of, uh, his first name is, uh, well, I can't pronounce his first name. <laughs> his last name is Kumar, Pastor Kumar. And um, he was actually at the Grace Conference back in 2000, uh, 2019. He was at the Grace Conference. Now, I was in India, and we were, I, I was part of a dedication of an orphanage, the Bethany uh, Baptist Children's Orphanage. And, and I was actually the guy, and there's pictures, you know, I got the scissors and I cut the ribbon kind of the grand opening for this beautiful, and I mean beautiful, orphanage uh, in pretty much the middle of India, okay? Um, and so we're eating, and, and this pastor's there talking, and I said to him, I said, so how did you, how did you find out about me? I mean, how, because we met through Facebook, through some friends, and how, how are we sitting here today? Like, how did this happen? How is it that I'm in India, and you're in India, and we've never met, really. This is the first day we're together. How did this happen? So he says, well, I went to the Grace Conference back in 2019. I said, wow, you went to the Grace Conference. That's really cool. I didn't, didn't know you did that. Uh, and I said, so how'd it go? He goes, well, it, it went good. Um, I, I'm terrible. I am terrible at asking for money. I just, I was trying to raise some money to build this orphanage, and I just, I'm just the worst person in the world to ask for money. <laughs> and I said, well, I hear you. I'm the worst person in the world, too. So he said, but someone, you know, it was a cool thing. He said, someone gave me $100. I said, wow, someone gave you $100. He goes, yeah. He goes, I think the guy's name was George. It's like, George. And I'm just trying to think, and I'm, Amy's sitting next to me. He's like, well, who's George? You know George? I don't know George. And he said, he, and he goes, and so he takes his Bible. This is a crazy thing. And he takes his Bible, uh, and he's flipping through it as fast as he can. And he pulls out this piece of paper, 
And he says, well, I don't know. I'm not really good at reading English. He says, why don't you read it? This is the guy that gave me a hundred bucks. I took a picture of the moment. Like, take a look at this one. I don't know if, if you can read that. You probably can. It's not George. It's Paul Fendrick. Paul Fendrick, who is a great member of this church and just passed away, what, two years ago in January? Maybe in 2020, I believe it was. Paul Fendrick. That's his writing with his address in New Berlin with his phone number. The missionary, praise the Lord, saves this piece of paper, thinks it's a guy named George and just has it in his wallet. Says, I don't know who this guy is, but he gave me $100. And, and that's how he started to build this orphanage. Wow, that, isn't that crazy? Now think about the links in the chain. Think about all the connections that had to happen. And Paul was responsible for a lot of people being this church. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, Paul with all of his quirkiness and, and, and all of his goofiness still did a lot of really great things. Uh, Taylor's here uh, at this church and the, her family and the Crown Arbors are here because he was working out at the YMCA and he saw her at the YMCA and he said, hey, you got to go to the Grace Conference. Come and see. And Taylor hops in a car and drives two hours to go to a conference she's never been to. And, and that, was because, that was because Paul Fendrick was doing his part and saying, hey, just come and see. Come check this out. I want you to see this is something good. And there's probably a lot of you that are here or influenced by someone uh, like Paul Fendrick. And, and I just, we were just sitting there at the table saying, I'm just blown away by that. There's a guy that, that I knew that, that I, he, was, he was, I believe he was here. Was Paul here on the very first Sunday that we had our church? Nancy, Lori, was he here? I think he was. Yeah, he was here at the very first Sunday of our church. Uh, and again, we just kind of laugh at Paul's quirkiness and all that kind of stuff like that. But still, there's a guy in India that started to build an orphanage, a beautiful orphanage, because some guy in Chicago who he thought was named George gave him a hundred bucks because he can't read English. <laughs> Close, Paul Fendrick. But, but there's a lot of links. You know, we think, about, we think about Andrew in the story. Andrew isn't very well known. I mean, we don't know much about Andrew. Um, Andrew didn't write any books of the Bible. He's not very prestigious. Um, he, the Bible doesn't talk about a whole lot what Andrew did. There's not a whole lot of interaction. But what is the one thing that Andrew did do? He went to his brother, right, and said, hey, I found him. You got to come check this out. You got to meet this guy. You have to do this. Just, just come and see. You got you to get this. It's, it's, it's his one claim to fame, if you could put it like that. He just did that one thing, which at the moment probably wasn't even observed by anybody, but it was important enough that inspired by the Holy Spirit, God had it recorded in the Bible for all of us, for all of us even today that we see that Andrew was a link in the chain to Peter, which ultimately is a link in a chain, really, to every single one of us sitting here today, okay? It all, it all ties together somehow. Think about other people, famous people. Um, D.L. Moody. Do you guys know who D.L. Moody is? Um, great evangelist, uh, started the Moody Bible Institute down in Chicago, still, still up and running today. Um, he was led to the Lord in the early 1900s by a shoe salesman. He was buying a pair of shoes, and the shoe salesman said, hey, you have to investigate this. And, and he did. Um, Charles Spurgeon. Do you guys know the story of Charles Spurgeon? This is kind of interesting. Charles Spurgeon, one of the, one of the most poetic, I guess if I'd say it that way, preachers of, of years gone by, um, very well known, all the sermons were published and stuff. Charles Spurgeon was in a blizzard, he's in England, uh, on the way to his church. The snow was so bad on the way to church 
that he couldn't make it any further, and he turned down a side street to try to get out of the wind and the snow, and there was a really, really small church that was meeting in a very small building that was actually open, and he went inside to the church on a Sunday morning, blizzard day, and, and the pastor wasn't even at the church because he couldn't make it to church because of the blizzard. And so they had just some guy from church who was just kind of a nobody. No one even knows his name, but just some, some uh, 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 hardworking, you know, blue-collar type of guy that was just in church. He got up to speak. And, and this guy got up to speak, and, and uh, the verse that this guy preached on, he didn't know much, but he preached on Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. And the verse says this. It says, Look unto me. And be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And so this, this man that got up to speak, who wasn't even the pastor, on a blizzard day, the church was pretty much empty, pretty much just made the point, like, listen, you don't have to do much to see Jesus. You don't have to lift your cotton-picking finger. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to be smart. It doesn't take someone with a college degree to look. It doesn't take someone with a, with a strong uh, a set of muscles to look. Uh, it doesn't take someone who's wealthy to look. He said, you could be the biggest fool in town, and, and all you have to do is just look. That's it. It's by faith. And he finally gets to the end of his message, and, and he shouts in the middle of the service, the, this, this man who was, who was preaching, and he looks right at Charles Spurgeon, Charles Hedden Spurgeon, and he says, young man, you need to look to Jesus today. And introduce them to the gospel. We don't even know who this guy's name is. But the church was open in a snowstorm. Amen. <laughs> the difference is that pastor didn't make it. This pastor drives a snowplow truck. So I'll be here. All right. <laughs> the church will be open as long as I'm driving the plow truck. Uh, but, but think of all those links. Think, think how that just ties together. Some we don't even know who it is. We, we just don't have any idea who this guy is. But, but back to our story. There's Andrew... And Andrew has a genuine concern. I mean, he, 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 the first thing that Jesus says, you know, is, hey, come and see. And, and they spend the night with him there, and they, 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 they learn about him. They see the truth. And, and the first thing that Andrew wants to do is he wants to go show it. He wants to tell people. Church, I, I think as Christians, you ought to. You ought to want to share the good news of the gospel. You, that, this, this should be something natural. If, if, if you're saved and, and you believe that Christ died on the cross and paid your sins, I hope that the natural conclusion of that is I want to share this. You know, it's like, it's like if we went to a restaurant. You go to a good restaurant. And I, I, love, I love going to good restaurants. Um, I think my favorite food is Italian food. There's a couple of Italian restaurants in Milwaukee that I just, you know, what I'm, if, to me it would be just if I could just live at the restaurant and eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, I would just eat pasta all day long, right? Um, but, but you go to a good restaurant and what do you do? You tell people about it. And you tell me about a good restaurant. You say, pastor, you got to try this restaurant. You know, and I go to a good restaurant. Hey, you got to try this restaurant. We do that. That's natural. Man, I had a really good meal this week. It was awesome. And I tell people about it. Well, when you trust Christ as Savior, when you, when you know that you have an eternity in heaven, you tell people about it. But I'm, it's frustrating because I just believe some Christians are just flat out ashamed and they're embarrassed to tell people about something so great. Church, why as Christians, why would we be ashamed or embarrassed to tell people about the best thing in the whole world? We brag about a restaurant. We brag about what kind of car you drive. You brag about the deal you got shopping. You brag about, you know, the sale at Kohl's. You brag about all those other things. Why don't we brag about Jesus? Why is it so hard for us sometimes to tell the good news of Jesus? I, I tell you what we're good at. You know what we're good at? I'll just tell you what we're good at. We're good at complaining 
Complaining has become the, the acceptable sin in America because of social media. It, it's what we do. We like to complain. It's a natural tendency to murmur and complain. It is, and it's becoming worse and worse and worse. Let me just make something very clear. Complaining is a sin. One more time. Complaining is a sin. Okay. doesn't matter if you do it with your fingers or do it with your mouth. It's a sin. Think... I have till two, right? Think about, think about the Israelites. Think about after they crossed the Red Sea. Do you ever read, ever think about this? How many times does God note in the Old Testament that the children complained? The best count I could get, I may be off a little bit, the best count I have is 14. He lists it 14 times in the Bible that they complained. Here's an interesting tidbit for you. Think about this. How many years did the children wander in the wilderness for? Forty years. Why? Oh, because they didn't go to church. No. Because they didn't give an offering. No. Because they, they watched bad television programs. No. Because they had the wrong music selection. No. Why did they wander for 40 years and not be blessed? Because they complained over and over again. God listed that they're complaining and they're not blessed. Church, I am convinced, I'm convinced there's some people that you're just not going to be blessed in life because you are a complainer. Financially, you're never going to be blessed. Why? Because you complain. And God's sitting up there going, you are driving me crazy. I'm not blessing you. I, why did he list it 14 times? Why did he give that as a reason that they're, they're not going to the promised land? Why do they wander? Listen, Jordan's not that big. All right, all they had to do, think about this, all they had to do was just keep walking straight, and eventually they would have crossed over the Jordan River. They would have made it to Israel. I mean, it's like being in Wisconsin, okay? Sooner or later, if you walked for a week or two, where would you get? I mean, you're either in Minnesota, you're in the Upper Peninsula, or you're in Illinois, or you're at the lake, okay? How long can you be lost in the state of Wisconsin? <laughs> it doesn't, 40 years, it just doesn't make sense. It's because they were complainers. Church, do not be complainers. Some of you aren't blessed in your relationships. Some of you are going to have prodigal kids because you're a complainer. God's just not going to bless it. He's not blessing your child raising. He's not blessing your marriage. He's not blessing your finances because you're a complainer. Church, don't be a complainer. Just stop it. We think it's acceptable. It's, not, it's never been acceptable in the Bible. It's never been. Just don't be a complainer, okay? And listen, if you're a complainer, I'm just going to tell you this. Everyone knows you're a complainer, okay? Your boss knows you're a complainer. Uh, your neighbors know you're a complainer. Your pastor eventually finds out about it. I don't know why. I just hear it. People tell me. I don't want to hear it, but people tell me about it. Your kids know you're a complainer. Your spouse knows you're a complainer. Uh, life is short, okay? Life is, just don't, don't live a life of complaining, okay? If you're a complainer, just pray God and just repent of that sin and just stop complaining. Be positive about things. You ought to be an example. You ought to be an example to your neighbors, okay? Do your neighbors know you as a complainer? Think about Andrew. Do you think if Andrew went to Peter and he was a complainer, do you think Peter would have blessed? Oh, I want to talk about this. He'd have been like, Andrew, would you stop it? <laughs> no. He listens to what Andrew says. Andrew has a compelling discussion. Andrew's influencing him. Andrew's excited about it. And, and he's listening to it. He hears it and he's listening. He's not a complainer. You, we, we need to, as Christians, just accept the responsibility. We heard about Jesus. We have an obligation to share it. We have an obligation to go tell people. Oh, pastor, I want the missionaries to do it. Well, I'm all for missions, okay? That's great. 
But here's what we're not going to do at this church. We're not going to write all the checks to the missionaries and get lazy and not do evangelism here. I tell you, an awful lot of churches I know have fallen into that trap. We spend six figures a year on missionaries, but there's not a single person in any of those churches that can actually share their faith, nor have they, because the responsibility is not theirs. It's, it's easier to write a check and let the professionals do it. All right? That's not right. All right? You have an obligation. You've been saved. You, you need to share it. You need to tell people. And go down. Let's go back to verse 41. He first finds his own brother, Simon, and he says unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. That word find is the same word we use for the word eureka. That means it's enthusiastic. He's dogmatic. It doesn't say, I think so, or I hope we found the Messiah. He's totally convinced. It's dogmatic enthusiasm, and, and he's crystal clear. I'm not beating around the bush. We have found the Messiah, period. I'm positive of it. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Look at verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him and said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, Andrew here is, is so courageous that he brings him directly to Jesus. The word brought there is interesting. He brought him to Jesus. It, it actually indicates, by the way it's written, the, the tense of it, it actually indicates that there's resistance. So it's not just an easy, well, I picked him up and I brought him. It, it indicates that there's a resistance and he's got to pull him. He's almost like he's got to drag him a little bit. He's got to do it. There, there's some resistance that, that what he does, he brings him, but there's resistance. Now, he doesn't kidnap him. I'm not for kidnapping. But he's determined to get it, you know. And uh, uh, I sometimes think we ought to be a little bit more persistent with, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Well, I invited my coworker once, but they said no. Okay. Have you tried again? Well, I know they're going to say no. I don't know. Have you tried again? Well, I just think they're going to say it. Well, have you tried again? I, I think it's interesting. Andrew obviously has enough rapport that, that he invites them. Church, we have Easter coming up. Easter is one of the largest services we have. We have two services on Easter because it's so big. Um, have you invited people to Easter? Oh, no, I'm just going to let the church invite people. No, 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 no. You're the church. You invite people. Have you, inv- have you literally invited people to, to come out for Easter? Andrew has some heart here. Andrew's uh, intense about it, and, and, and he's, he's serious about it. He wants to invite his, his, his only brother here, uh, this listed, to come and see. Church, have, have you had that insistence, that, that desire that I need to talk to my neighbors? Honestly. Can you think right now of the last person you invited to church? When was it? Luminary hike? 2019? <laughs> When's the last time? When's the last time that, that you, just like Andrew said, listen, come and see. I want you to see this. I want you to be part of this. We all have neighbors. We all have coworkers, right? I mean, no one here lives, lives in a cave. Right? Your head's not in the sand. You have people you can invite. Look at verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip. So here's another guy. And sayest unto him, Philip, follow me. Verse 45. Philip goes and finds Nathanael. And said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael says unto him, oh, come on. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That place is a dump. That's what he's saying. It's just a, ah, it's a bunch of rednecks. That place is trashy. You know, it's white trash back there. It's yuck. We don't need anything back there. 
And Philip says unto him, what? What does Philip say? Say it, church. He says, what? <sighs> he just says, I could argue this all day long, but I'm not. I'm just going to tell you. Come and see. Just see for yourself. I want you to see it and experience it for yourself. I could talk to you about this all day long. I want you to feel this. And Philip's just kind of, or Nathaniel's just kind of like, well, there's nothing good here. But I want you to think about this. I want you to, I want you to come and see it for yourself. I, I think this is interesting because we have, now we have two guys. We have Andrew and we have Philip. And what's the priority of these two guys? Is it making money? Is it being popular? Well, I'm afraid people aren't going to like me. Do they say that? They go right away and they tell people and they say what? Come and see. You need to see for yourself. Church, church, who's a priority in your life? Uh, really? I mean, do you have a priority in your life of someone? Do you have a neighbor? Do you have a coworker? Do you have someone at the gym? Do you have someone at the, at the store? Do you have someone in your neighborhood that you need to make a priority and say, come and see? Oh, no, I've been to church before and I had a bad experience at church. The last church I went to, the pastor, rag, 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 rag. Okay, I'm sorry about your last church. But come and see. Well, you know, I was going to invite you out to church, but I'm not going to go because I'm a Catholic. Well, can you just come and see? Can you just come just check it out? Well, I'm not going to go to church because I just don't believe that there's a God. I don't believe in any God. Well, could you just come and see? Would you just come and see? We have to, church, listen, we've got to have an insistence like Andrew did, like, like Philip did, that's loving. And, and there's resistance, and yet there's a, there's a rapport that just says, that says, this is good. Just come and see. Just come and check it out. Would you just show up? Would you have it in your mind that you could say, I'll pick you up? Well, I don't have a car. I can pick you up. Well, I don't know. Well, I can make it happen. Well, we go out for lunch afterwards or whatever. Well, I don't want to wear. Just wear some clothes. I don't, show up in your pajamas. Well, I'm going to be the only person in my pajamas. Possibly, but, <laughs> but just show up anyways. So I want you to think about someone who's a neighbor, someone who's a coworker. There should be someone who's a priority in your life. Andrew had someone. Philip has someone. John the Baptist had someone. That there's people that you want to come and see. All right, can you think of a name? Honestly, truly, can you think of a name? All right, I want you to hold on to that name for just a second. Do you, I hope you have a couple names. I have a couple names, people, that, that your pastor has been thinking about and praying about that needs to come to this church, and, and I haven't invited them either. Really? The pastor didn't invite someone to church? Really, I know you're shocked. <laughs> but is there someone you can think of that needs to come and see? We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262 404 5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.